Welcome back to Speaking of Strong Style. I am Stephen Conway. With me, as always, is Jeremy Finestone. We are ready to talk about the news, issues, and events surrounding New Japan Pro Wrestling, and we are here for the Destruction and Ryogoku special. So this is a same-day account of uh, what happened at the big show in Destruction in uh, Sumo Hall. Up, uh, I'd say, Stephen, we're going to have a deconstruction of Destruction Ryogoku. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, it, it, needs, it needs reconstruction after all that. So uh, let's see. Uh, we already have uh, Colin and Brad here uh, asking hello, questions. Hello, hello. We got a lot to talk about. Glad you guys are here. We're happy to see you. So we had uh, Evil was finally vanquished. We'll just start with that right off the top. Of big Our news. long international nightmare is now over, Stephen Conway. We, we can had a debut from the House of Torture. We had a debut. Uh, I was I was right. I nailed it. Uh, but a lot of people did. But I mean, uh, we we did get indeed the uh, guy that we thought uh, as the new guy, and we'll talk about yeah. that. Yes, Yuya Uemura came back to New Japan, and yeah. we had a we had a return. Somebody that we were very excited about uh, seeing again, and uh, Taiji Ishimori back in the picture. So happy, uh, he's healthy. Not so happy what he did, but happy he's healthy. Newsworthy show, uh, mostly well wrestled. I thought most of the matches were pretty good. I enjoyed the show, it was long, uh, with the pre show more than five hours. So we had an over under last week, four and a half hours or over under went way over, way over, yeah, yeah. And uh, it but it was an entertaining night there, and there were some uh, there were some uh, interesting things setting up the dome, which is what they got to do. I mean, we have two tag team tournaments coming up. And then the big Tokyo Dome. So there's a lot to get done. And I think they took some big steps toward doing those things. Yeah, I definitely think the promotion took a lot of steps forward with like growth and changes. And basically, we are in a different place than we were a month ago, three months ago, six months ago. And even all of those steps with a lot of these guys that we're paying attention to, they've all taken steps. And we are we are heading towards a very interesting Wrestle Kingdom right now if what I think is happening is happening. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, it's interesting. We already have a question that I want to address here because it's from Colin. He's mentioned it a couple of times. Yeah, there, he said, can you give me an answer on why today's show was not available to people in Japan? That seems weird to me since they're a Japanese company. It's true. This mm-hmm. show will be available later to folks uh, on in Japan on NJPW World. So right as of right now, the only feed that is available is the English language one that Kevin Kelly did with Chris Charlton. And uh, Brad's on it a little bit here. He, he mentions that it was live on their TV channel, so they didn't air it on NJPW World. They're working this Abema. You see that? Ab- yeah, it was Abema. A-B-E-M-A. And that is a streaming service, a streaming television ad-supported. sounds a lot like Pluto TV, actually. I was just reading the, the very quick thing on it. It's a, a live TV streaming website that is uh, based in Japan. And Japanese market has been slow to adapt to streaming, actually. Like Netflix doesn't do that well there. There are other streaming services that do well around the world that haven't really caught on in Japan. Still a very DVD culture when it comes to TV and movies. There are these massive uh, DVD shops everywhere there that uh, are, that sell the the discs that and there and people are very much into watching things that way and haven't really adapted fully to streaming but this abima abema however you want to pronounce it you see the hashtag a lot uh that's a streaming service and they're working on that uh so uh, new japan has a relationship with them so i think that that was it was on there and uh so they were trying to push people toward that perhaps and then say well if you have new japan world this one show here video on demand a little bit later we're used to getting english on demand days later uh but we can watch the japanese feed instead it was reversed this time so that was different and uh, we got to hear kevin kelly for one of the last times on a new japan show 
Yeah, that looked fun. Um, although I kind of getting the sense that he's a little bit checked out and he's ready to go. I don't mean that in, in a bad way, but it's just kind of, I don't know, the engagement level now that I that I think about it, just I think he's ready to go. And this show did not um abuse me, disabuse me of that notion. Yeah, yeah, and, and this is something that we're and there's gonna be some things uh that we talk about here as far as uh, he did put over the new guy, uh, Walker Stewart. He did mention that. Uh, he, he friend of the podcast, a, Walker Stewart. <laughs> friend of the podcast. Uh, yeah, he, he he took a playful shot at him, uh, and then uh, and then did put him over a little bit as uh, being uh, the new guy and somebody that he's excited about hearing. He'll make his debut at, on the Las Vegas show on October twenty yeah. eighth. So, uh, but as it is, you know, Kevin, we've we've got to come to terms with the Kevin's an AEW announcer now. So that's where his concentration is, and where it should be really because. I'm sure AB, AEW is paying a heck of a lot better than than uh, New Japan did. Just uh, the economics of it, I'm sure. So uh, probably ought to be, but much more uh, comfortable plane flight too. Well, you're not kidding there. But uh, <laughs> all right, so let's talk about this here. Uh, sure, let's get underway. The show is at Sumo Hall. Yeah, we got to talk about the attendance though, Jeremy. Now, do, what, what do you think that? What do you think the crowd was for this one? How big? How? It wasn't full, and I know that from the advertisements that they were pushing tickets and advertisement of the show to the door to the day of. So, nine thousand, five thousand two. Another Sonata main event where the crowd just doesn't really turn out for it right there, and we're going to talk a little bit about Sonata main event or evil main event. Well, both, both. But remember, the, like Sonata's main events during the G1 were on pretty rough mm-hmm. terrain too. When it came to attendance, there, I, I don't think having Evil involved in it helped. A Something must bit. have turned after the Otsuji match because, like, he was popular and the crowds were rising, and then after that, it just kind of like it fizzled out in a weird way. And I'm not. I think we. I think we all know why, but it just. I think that was the tipping point. Well, I'm going to give you an idea. The G1 semifinals on August 12th drew 6,500. The finals on the 13th drew 8,200. Altogether again on June 9th, 6,500. Sakura Genesis, 6,500. So that's more the baseline. Okay. This one, 5,000, just barely over 5,000. The last show with fewer, Not a good look. Declaration of Power, October 10th, 2022. That was before the restrictions were lifted. And that was Jay White and Tamatanga on top. So, uh, yeah, and uh, we have a question here from our friend uh, from the Power Bomb Show. Sam is here. Uh, he says, I haven't watched the show yet. Is there anything I need to see outside of Hiromo versus Speedball versus Yo and the Motor City Machine Guns and Alexander against Okada, Tana, and Ishii? And uh, Brad has one here for it. He said that Strong Style and uh, versus Shooter and the Gang was a great match and an amazing post-match. That is worth your time, absolutely. And I would I also think- say that uh, I did enjoy seeing the uh, – the Hikaleo uh, Phantasmo match against the War Dogs, I thought that was pretty good and worth at least worth the time there. And uh, oh yes, absolutely, the Jet Setters against Clark Connors and Drill Maloney, I think, is definitely worth the time. I think the debut of Yuya Uemura in the beginning of the show is important to see the tone and see the reaction. That dude, he was very emotional when he came out uh, mm. for that match, and uh, I feel like. I feel like it was a good moment just for a wrestling fan to take that in. And then 
I don't know how everyone else feels about the Hitman uh, Best of Seven finale, but I enjoyed it for what it was. And then the after, like the post-match uh, scenario afterwards set up a lot of stuff that uh, I would make a point to see it if, were, if I were you. Colin said he hated the post-match on the Strong Style thing. It oh, was an gosh, interesting way of ending great. I had a smile from ear to ear. Well, we'll talk about it as it comes oh, yeah. through, but yeah. Oh, yeah. So anyway, but that's the idea here that, you know, again, Sonata, you know, we, I personally think that this is all just leading up to him putting the belt on Naito and us finally getting the roll called in the Tokyo Dome. God, what so, if it wasn't, what if Sonata goes over? <laughs> they would have to come up with something pretty impressive for that one to make what, that like one like David Finley taking the belt the next night? <laughs> You know, it's just, it, it's a little scary sometimes. I, I come up with these scenarios and all of a sudden you stop. You're like, shit. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a struggle right now. And, and I noticed, also noticed that those two, the semifinals and the finals yeah. of the G1, which did draw well, Sonata was out in the quarters. <laughs> so, I mean, the semifinals and the finals, he was not involved in the major matches up there. And there is a... And those ticket sales were a lot more popular. Hmm, distinct. <laughs> there is a distinct pattern that when Sonata is in the main event, fewer people show up. And I, they have to know that. They have to recognize that. And I think it'll be time to declare this one a failed experiment once the time comes in the Tokyo Dome. And they put it on Naito at least uh, for yeah, a while. I'm so. just having fun. I still think it's Naito with the Stardust Press. I hope so. That would yeah, be. I mean, oh my god! That, I mean, <laughs> well, you, that, that the magic four months out or three months out. There, there's nothing other than okay. The match is official. I think this might happen. Cool. <laughs> I'm curious to see how many preview tags we get. We're gonna get some be, between now and then, but you don't necessarily have to have these guys on the junior tag team tour or the world tag league. You certainly don't need them on both, right? So. They don't have to do too many preview tags up until then. And it's also clear that there isn't going to be another title shot for Shingo Takagi or anybody else between now and the Dome. We're going we're going to the Dome here. There's no November title match uh, unless they change their mind about something because all indications are Dome is next. You know, that's, that's everything yeah. they're leaning toward. So uh, with that in mind, that's an awful long time to uh, run preview tags. And we, we saw... We saw the uh, LIJ crew against United Empire, I feel like, 50 times in the last six weeks. And yeah, I can't imagine. Yeah, they were the on a lot of the feud that we've been going through right now. And I'm ready to turn the page. Yeah, so uh, we'll, we'll see how that ends up. But the main event was indeed the Lumberjack uh, the Lumberjack death match. Although it wasn't a death match. I, I, don't, I don't know. That's how they uh, call Lumberjack matches. That's just I guess so. Maybe matches. that That's is. That's the New Japan phrasing of it. Okay. I don't so, know why. Early on, we did see the debut of Yuya Uemura as the newest guy in Just Five Guys. He came out, and this was a funny line I enjoyed. He came out, his nickname is the the Heat Storm, the Heat Storm. And he came out with a, a flames uh, fire motif to his gear and all that. And Kevin Kelly said Heat Storm came from the NXT name generator, which I that enjoyed was, quite a bit. I, I did a double take on that one. I was like, oh. <laughs> He did. No, he was like, there. Okay. <laughs> it's like hmm, he's right too. By the way, that's he was exactly right. That was the first indication of just being a little bit checked out and being a little more <laughs> AEW brain than New yeah. Japan brain. <laughs> a little bit. Uh, at least he didn't just. Uh, at least he didn't have a mask guy just screaming names of moves next to him. Yeah, we didn't have to deal with true. that at least. 
So uh, we have that. Now, so with the Lumberjack match now, so, of course, uh, Uemura came out and looked very impressive in the opener and won the match, which we figured whoever the, the fifth guy is, that he was going to get the pin right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, And he did. And so they, they were out there for the Lumberjack. So let's talk about how this Lumberjack match was, which, of okay. course, we knew this was going to be booked to within an inch of its life, and it certainly yes. was. Uh, so uh, And we'll get to the comments on this. I'm seeing some fun <laughs> ones up there. We'll put it up <laughs> in a little bit. Uh, yeah, they're right, too. Uh, so we're getting into the heartthrob here in New Japan a little bit. So we could put together a boy band with these dudes. So the lumberjack match, we established the stipulations early, which I did enjoy. So they did each scenario with the lumberjacks. Evil was thrown out on the just five guys side. He was pushed immediately back in to put over that part of it. He then threw him. He then went out over on the House of Torture guys. So of course they hemmed and hawed and didn't put him back in right away. So you saw that version of it. Of course, Sonata went out on the House of Torture thing, and they immediately descended on him and started kicking him and all that until just five guys came over and defended him. So they established all those little stipulations from the lumberjack match and all the different possibilities. So I thought that was smart to do. Get the stipulation over. They even had Evil try to steal the belt and run all the way the hell out of the building. He almost made it. He almost made it. Uh, he almost made it onto the streets there and uh, out there. Except Yuya, uh, if Yuya wasn't there, he would have gotten away. <laughs> Thank goodness the young guy's quick, right? And they had all that. Thank goodness they got the right guy for the job. <laughs> so, uh, but everyone was just waiting for the ref bump, right? Because a right. Kazushka Okada match can't end before the drop kick, and the House of Torture match can't end before the ref bump. So here we go. So we waited, and sure enough, we got it. Uh, what we did was we got a heck of a lot of them. But uh, at that point, House of Torture descended upon Sonata and a big fight broke out. Uh, Sakamoto, who was the outside the ring ref, who had almost no effect as to what was going on out there, came in and he was almost immediately bumped. Yeah, the guy's a rookie. What can you say? So after that, show got in there. He hit a shock arrow. Things were looking bleak for the champion. Uh, Kenta Sato came in. Evil managed to hit Darkness Falls. That was for two. Uh, Sonata ended up hitting, uh, rallied and then got a magic killer using the ropes instead of another guy that was at the 20 minute mark. So they basically spent the first 20 minutes of the match kind of wrestling a little bit, using the stipulation, some here and there, and then things picked up at about that mark. This one went 2801. So at the 20 minute mark is when, when the big moves started coming. And uh, Sonata climbed up for a moonsault. House of Torture tried to get him. I like this part, actually. They tried to get him, but Sonata was too quick. He actually managed to do the moonsault. He didn't hit the moonsault because Evil got out of the way. He managed to land on his feet and things. But that set off another brawl. So now we had just five guys and House of Torture fighting on the outside. Sonata got skull end, but Dick Togo rang the bell. Now, Sonata didn't totally bite on that. He didn't look like a moron standing there with his hand raised, even though the referee didn't pull him off but he still released the hold and was distracted a little bit. That led to Kenta Sato being bumped. So we've got bodies everywhere at this point. Uh, anything to comment on there? Should I just keep going? I mean, I'm just waiting for my favorite part of this entire match, and you're almost oh. there, so let's just get to it. <laughs> just five guys get the belt, uh, they get, they get the best of House of Torture for a little while as I try to read my notes, and they try to interfere one at a time. Uh, so this was a neat spot where each member of House of Torture tried to interfere, and then they were stopped by one of the guys, right? Yes. And of course, it came down to Uemura at the end. Uemura managed to hit his underhook suplex on Evil, uh, of course, no pinfall on that one, but uh, Evil came up into a Shining Wizard. Then Sonata hit two moonsaults, and I thought that was actually going to be it. I thought that, that was, was going to really be really close. Thing. That, that had that, me as well. Marty Asami was out for that one, but Dick Togo pulled him out of the ring at the last instant. 
Uh, so now that's not a disqualification. And we see that all the time in New Japan. And what is and isn't a DQ in New Japan doesn't make a lick of sense anyway. The leeway in a main event scenario. I guess so. There it is. But anyway, just five guys were then taken out with uh, low blows. There was a big chair shot to the head. I think you have a slide of that one. from, uh, But it was done well with the cushion side of the chair and, and you know about as well as you could do something like that. It was It was not as dangerous as some of the others. Uh, he managed to get a magic killer on on uh, Sonata with Dick Togo, and things were looking bleak again. They drug Red Shoes by the ear out from the back. He comes in, looks around, looks evil in the eye, and then flips him off. Finally, Red Shoes has had enough of this stuff. Red Shoes is tired of your shit, has a torture. And then he flips off Dick Togo. Well, they're appalled, of course, at this point. You would have thought he, he was a low blow the way they reacted to this. And uh, finally... Another good near fall, though, was uh, Sonata hit an O'Connor roll out of that and looked like it might have been the finish. He had the big the bridge and everything like mm -hmm, that. Mm -hmm. Didn't always uh, didn't always work. When he, whenever Red Shoes is fed up and he does this, he's done to Tama Tonga before when he was in Bullet Club where he just flips him off. It always gets a big pop. They just don't do it very often, right. which is probably why it still gets a big pop. Uh, Sonata reversed and everything is evil into his everything is Sonata. He hit the move. Two Shining Wizards, then a dead fall, then the pinfall. Fairly entertaining overall. It was not a classic by any stretch of anyone's imagination, but considering the buildup, this is what it needed to be. Just five guys coming through for him. A whole bunch of shenanigans. We all knew it was coming. We all knew this one was going to be overbooked. Uh, and uh, in the end, the Just Five Guys crew with their new member triumphed over the House of Torture. And of course, afterwards, we also got the Naito uh, appearance uh, no attack or anything like that. When we had one of those earlier that we're about to get to, and, and uh, uh, Kanata won a year worth of vinegar. Always important. Was that a bottle and a half? Maybe I don't know. Yeah, I, I, mean, I, do I they... don't know. You you can use a lot of rice wine vinegar when you're making rice. I guess that's true. I suppose yeah. that's true. You can put it in your rice maker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Never, doesn't hurt. So uh, yeah. Anyway, Naito was out afterwards to cement things. Again, no attack and no real words of disrespect, other than. Everybody wants to hear the roll call, and I'm going to give it to him on January 4th. So Muto was present. I imagine he'll be present at the Tokyo Dome. Well, there are cameras, yeah. aren't there? Heck yeah, <laughs> Muto will be there. Naito has his <laughs> tote bag with his contract in there. There's a year's worth of uh, vinegar uh, big check for Sonata. It's a magical moment at the end of Ryogoku. And uh, Brad mentions that the double moonsault was a great false finish. Yeah, it really was. I, I th That really looked for all intents and purposes like it was done. Uh, and then we had, uh, he says that he, I was surprised he didn't hate this match. This is from Brad. Okay. I guess knowing what it was going to be made it go down easier. Yeah, I think that's true, isn't it? Because there was no question that this was just going to be a free-for-all type of thing. So you just kind of wanted to see how they got to the end. And I thought they did it entertainingly enough. I think this was good enough to be a blow-off for the entire feud, which is what it essentially needed to be and make Sonata more viable for the Tokyo Dome, maybe? But if I'm going to be honest, the only thing anyone's ever going to remember for this match is Red Shoes flipping off evil, and it could become a meme, and it could become things that people post on Twitter, <laughs> and it's just going to become a thing. And it was great. I actually thought it was a great build to years of uh, disservice by Evil towards Red Shoes. And at the moment where Evil could have gotten the world title, all of the times that he did it came to bite him in the ass. It was perfect pro wrestling. I get why people didn't like it. I get that it was apex peak bullshit house of torture. 
<laughs> like it really was like everything that you hate about Hulk torture. If you're all in on it, like this was your bread and butter. If you don't like bread and butter and you were all in it on it, it was still bread and butter. <laughs> but if, but if you love vinegar tonight was your night and as Colin says oh, a man. year's worth of vinegar, who thinks of these things? Yeah. The sponsors, I guess go into that. I'm, I'm still waiting for the shampoo. Next time I go to Japan, I'm buying a bottle of merit shampoo though. <laughs> I'm going to support my local wrestlers. That's no but, question. But about that it. really is what it comes down to is that yeah. like, it wasn't a particularly memorable match, but for the angle and the direction and Yuya being back and Red Shoes flipping off evil, there was something to satisfy everyone and made the crowd go home happy and make them think next time maybe I should get a ticket. They're, check- they're checking off boxes in Sonata's yeah. career anyway. So, of course, his first thing back, he had to deal with a member of LIJ. And then after that, it was Hiromo, right? Another LIJ challenger. And then he had to deal with uh, with evil who had been a member of lij with him split off a long time ago but you know his former tag team partner these are all him the ghosts of the past until he gets to the final boss that's all this is and uh you know this was a stop he had to make on the way to that tokyo dome if and when uh sonata loses the title i mean when not you know evil and sonata are going to go right back to trading wins and losses with each other this was a storytelling moment but it was all set up with evil beating Sonata. So there we are. This is these are two rivals that have now, you know, essentially hit the same peak in their career. They both held the IWGP world title, but neither one of them has been considered particularly memorable or strong. And uh they're just they are just going to be rivals here on out. There you go. So uh, let's go back to the beginning of this show now. Uh, we well, we wanted to mention that the other thing that we that was worth mentioning here, uh, I said that he didn't attack Sonata. It's because we had another attack earlier, and that is in the junior heavyweight title match, which unfortunately did not feature Leo Rush. He's still sick. He wasn't able to make it. The only one, everybody else managed to recover in time. Poor Leo. Uh, it's a bad break for him. And uh, then we had Mike Bailey, Yo, and Hiromu Takahashi. Hiromo retained. We'll get to that match a little bit later. It was the best match of the night, uh, which probably shouldn't shock anybody. But the lights went out afterwards as Hiromo celebrated with his title. And a healthy, hopefully, Taiji Ishimori has returned and challenged Hiromu Takahashi. We thought on this show last week, last Thursday, that Ishimori could use a new coat of paint that maybe being a guy within Bullet Club wasn't the right thing for him. It looks like he's still in Bullet Club. He's always wearing the all black with the sunglasses, still definitely a heel uh, with the way he came back. I'm just glad to see him back because of that nasty injury he had there in the Super Juniors. But more importantly than that, I want to see this guy back on top. He was the champion, and then a title match after title match didn't happen for various reasons. Hiromu Takahashi versus Taiji Ishimori, I am on board for. These are two phenomenal junior heavyweights, and I love seeing these two wrestle. So if Taiji Ishimori is back and he's healthy, I'm all about him challenging for the title because I just think he's a wonderful uh, wrestler. I, I do wish he would kind of break away and do something different. I think it's time. I think he's had enough years as the Bone Soldier in, in Bullet Club, especially with this new David Finlay Bullet Club, which has changed from the one that he uh, started in. And uh, I think it's time. But if we don't get that, at least we get Hiromo and Taiji. Where where would he go if he wasn't in Bullet Club anymore? Well, I think there's places, uh, you know, that there's... You know, he could he could align himself with, you know, Desperado, even Suzuki or and Arita in that area in some way there. That's a possibility. Uh, I, I can't I say that there's any one place. I get the distinct sense that he's a heel, though. 
and mm-hmm. based off of the transaction that happened, no, he hasn't. But you know, I still see him in all black. It's unclear whether he's in Bullet Club. But if he wasn't in Bullet Club, where would like he still kind of comes off as a heel? He attacked Hiromu after a three way. Well, well, he and, definitely uh, is here. Yeah. So, like, he wants his vengeance from Hiromu basically crippling him back at the uh, best of the Super Juniors tournament, uh, which is what happened. So he's back, and it makes sense for them to have a feud. I just, like, it's smart to have him away from the rest of Bullet Club when he makes his return, but I'm not Mm -hmm. necessarily sure he's, you know, someone aligned. Brad mentions that he might align with a debuting Nakajima. Now that's a very good possibility and something they might do. And here's my point on this though, Jeremy, and I, and I, I understand what you're saying about where does he fit in, but where does he fit in in Bullet Club right now? He's out of place there too. He's, he's not a war dog. You know, he was there. He's kind of that old guard. And and I kind of feel the same way about Chase Owens is that, well, he's there to take the fall, you know, but there's also Kenta sometimes yeah i mean yeah, but, like you've got you have you still have the fringe bullet club guys and he's yeah. in that fringe and i get what you're saying but it hasn't been addressed and even though like finley has his lieutenants those got like we saw chase Owens on here it wasn't particularly impressive in the show but um i have a hard time lumping chase Owens with uh taiji shimori but that's kind of yeah. where we're at right now yeah, I guess that's my point is that there are people who can be hangers on. I'm okay with that with with Chase because he's there to protect guys anyway. But uh, Ishimori, it seems like, should be better than a fringe bullet club. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you. I just like there are pieces to this that have not yet been revealed. Is I think Brad is is onto something. I had yeah, really I do thought too. about that, but uh, if not that, there's something else going on because there are spots to fill in some of these uh, tournaments coming up. And I don't think Ishimori is going to be involved with them if he's going to be uh, entangled with Hiromu. But it does mean that, you know, things are at play. Few things happen by accident in New Japan, and he wasn't wearing all Bullet Club gear or a Bullet Club shirt or a Bone Soldier or anything. Maybe hints that something different is in the works for him. Could be wishful thinking on my part. That's always possible, too. So. All right. We'll find out as we move along. So the first match, uh, we actually had a what a frontier match is what they called this one. Frontier, uh, frontier zone. Frontier zone, and that means we're going to be bringing in some independent folks, some uh, workers from other promotions, and then putting them in with New Japan guys. And uh, that was how Kevin Kelly explained it that we might be seeing these pre-show matches on other big cards. So uh, part of New Japan just working a little bit with everybody. There were guys from Freedoms. There were guys from DDT in here and uh, some others. So, uh, yeah, and, and some we've seen before as well. So we have seen Katori before. So we've seen Takeshi Masada. Uh, but, but Takahiro Katori, he is the one who we thought was greatly inspired by Hiromu Takahashi, perhaps, mm-hmm. uh, as we put it. Uh, even comes out with the stuffed rabbit, the stuffed animal right there. Poor rabbit. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, the rabbits had a tough time. Uh, Masada, meanwhile, has a DDT 24-7 belt that Yano kept trying to win at random times, which was kind of entertaining in there. Uh, but uh, this one was basic. It was only eight minutes and 14 seconds, so no one really had time to stand out. Everyone just kind of had time to do a few spots. Uh, Taguchi ended up taking everyone's finishers. Uh, and, and by the way, the match, by, for the folks that are listening and can't see the graphic, Yoshihashi. Toru Yano, Oscar Loibe, Ryusuke Taguchi, and Tiger Mask against Jun Masaoka, Kengo, Kazuma Sumi, Takeshi Masada, and Takahiro Katori. 
So there you go. Oh, uh, I got so, the wrong. I forgot to switch it out after uh, Yo got moved out. I'm like, what? Uh oh, that's on me. Yeah, Yo was originally <laughs> in this match. Yoshihashi just fills in wherever anyone needs anything. So yeah. thank goodness he's around there. So, uh, though uh, he and Taguchi, uh, Katori and Taguchi tossed around the stuffed rabbit, doing the comedy bit there. Taguchi caught him in the ankle lock off of that. This was fine. It was a quick opener. Uh, no one really had time to stand out though, just because the match didn't last very long and there were a lot of people in it. So. I did like Stuff with uh, Loibe showing some fire in the beginning, sure. uh, two on one, and then finally falling to the three on one. He's uh, he's been doing a little bit more standing out lately, and I uh, I don't know. I've just been noticing it, like just just a little bit extra, and I don't know how to put it other than Loibe's just been that. Yes, who should we sign? Dark matches, <laughs> but Loibe was my standout for this match. If there was a standout to be had. Dunstan Williams is here with us. Hey, Dunstan. And he says, Ishimori being Hiromu's next challenger makes sense for power struggle. No, yes, good sir. That's also true. Uh, and it says, I think if Nakajima joins New Japan, he would probably debut at the New Year's. That's an interesting point, too. A I mean, it, it's not a bad, uh, yeah, at Dash. He could do that. And that's also if they wanted to do something with this Ishimori that's coming right off of whatever happens in the time match. So. There are ways for that to work. Yeah, it could be. Uh, I, if and we don't even. By the way, we don't even necessarily know Nakajima's coming, but we're just yeah. all assuming that if he's leaving Noah, he's coming here, uh, or else he would have resigned with Noah, right? He's not going to all Japan, I don't think. Nah. Uh, so up first uh, in the next one, and that's not a knock on all Japan, by the way. It's just their business isn't that great right now. They're doing shows in Shinkaba first ring, which is a time for what he's deciding to do and looking to go somewhere different. All Japan doesn't really strike me personally as all that much different from what he's looking to branch out to. Fair enough. So, uh, and we, the main show opened with the just five guys, Taichi Doki. And as we know now, Yuya Uemura against the house of torture being show Yujiro and Yoshinobu Kanemaru. This one only went eight minutes. It was just a delivery system to find out who X was. And uh, people were happy to see Uemura. And you mentioned that he was emotional coming out. He was. He was almost in tears uh, coming down the aisle. You could tell how excited he was uh, to be back in Japan and be part of a major angle. I mean, it's mm -hmm. it's got to feel good. Got to feel good. And he got the hot tag in the match. Uh, the fans were uh, into the hot tag. Uh, he hit that overhead suplex on Yujiro and won it for his team. Uh, and he fits in with the fabulous hair. Uh, they do have a shampoo deal after all. So there are these things to think about. And uh, as uh, Sam and Brad mentioned earlier, as we have a handsome battle with all these uh, new guys coming in. Some good looking dudes. Yuya actually kind of looks like Hanada's kid brother. If you yeah. kind of squint. <laughs> yeah. like, Brad thinks we need more capes in wrestling. He says his cape yeah. is awesome. Uh, Kyle Fletcher, Shingo, Yuya. But did anyone tell him about the color scheme? Yeah, he came out in like red and white. So it, it doesn't really match. We'll have to see if they do anything with that. And so and what was, there was an interesting thing in the post-match about his motivation for joining Just Five Guys. Go ahead and tell him about that. I... So he agreed to join Just Five Guys in exchange for an opportunity to wrestle each member of just five guys at some point. And so that was the agreement. And so we are due to get Yuya versus Taka, Yuya versus uh, Taichi, Yuya versus Sonata, and I already, and so Yuya versus Doki. Uh, I blanked on the last one there for a second. So that's fun. It's a neat little twist. It gives us uh, a catalog of magic to look forward to in the near future for Yuya. And uh, we will find out exactly where he falls in the pecking order. It's something they can do also in 
tournament finals nights and get the champ on the show, which doesn't hurt at all, uh, and just get a little special attraction on for those since they will uh, need a little bit of something other than the tournament finals. You know, you get that, that those finals nights, you have the tournament finals is the big match, and then you do special stuff underneath, which is uh, you need some of that. Funny on Impact, most of the time he won with a crossbody whenever I saw him. But here in New Japan, people are ready to take his underhooked fisherman suplex. <laughs> yeah. I don't think they were willing to take it over an Impact. It's, it's it's interesting too how similar he and Narita's overheads are. Yeah, uh, but they both they both work with bridges. So yeah, yeah it's probably something Nagata teaches him, I'd imagine. All right, match of the night ready? You ready for it? <laughs> Ready for this one. Tangaloa and Chase Owens in the match of the night. I tell you Woo. what, go out of your way to see this one. Uh, no, I did. Look, it, this was fine for what it was, but Chase worked the knee. Tangaloa rallied to hit a missile drop kick in a 619 a little bit later after, uh, you know, again, only eight minutes. So not a whole lot of heat time here. Uh, Chase hit some big moves, uh, but he got, uh, but anyway, Tangaloa ended up getting the OJK crossface for a submission that was using Jado's move. This is going to be. A big night for Jado. Jado, manager of the year. I'm calling it right now after this performance tonight. Uh, but the match was fine. Uh, the idea was, that, and this didn't really play into anything, was that Chase was weakening Tangaloa so that he couldn't help Tama Tonga later, and then none of them even factored into the finish there. So uh, this I was think, a match on a show. I think psychologically what they wanted to give the impression was that if Tama Tonga was going to beat David Finley, he was going to have to do it by himself. And what David was... Finley was, yes, it was a match that happened on the show. I didn't see I... that comment before I said it. I, I I looked up and I realized I had just read a cue card and I didn't even see this comment from Brad. Well, this was a match that happened on a show. I swear to God, Brad, I didn't look at that first. <laughs> I, I appreciate Sure words never the... spoken. I appreciate shows that try to, from beginning to end, run a thread through them with the matches. And I have to say that they tried to do that with the Gorillas of Destiny and Bullet Club tonight between all of their matches so that when it got to Tamatonga and David Finley, it was, you're on your own if you're going to beat this guy. And that is a good story. I'm not sure it's compelling, but that was... I have respect for trying to do that. Colin mentions here, was this supposed to be an arm wrestling match? Well, they did that at Corican. So they yeah. did the arm wrestling thing at Corican where he originally attacked the arm and pilmanized it. So That was then... not last show, but the show before, like uh, last Saturday's show. And it set up the elimination match being a five-on-five five instead of a six-on-six because Tangaloa was unable to participate in the elimination match after getting brutally assaulted by Chase Owens after Chase Owens was humiliated in an arm wrestling match by Tangaloa. Well, but he but he did participate in it too. So I don't know. Oh, they, yeah. he, he didn't it didn't even eliminate her from it was strange. But yeah, right. yeah. yeah this whole thing is I completely uh, forgot that part. <laughs> That's okay. It wasn't. It wasn't memorable. What can yeah, I say? Sure, yeah. But uh, yeah, they, but they did that there. Next up was uh, Lij against United Empire, part seventy-eight, and uh, this was uh, fine. It's fine, right? I mean, I look at the guys involved in this match. It's not going to be a bad match. It's not going to be a bad match. But we're kind of done telling this story, and we kind of were after Kobe because they had the three big singles matches to finish that night, LIJ versus United Empire. But we're back here at it again, and this was Shingo, Tetsuya Naito, Yoda Suji, and Bushi against Cobb, Great Okan, Hanare, and Callum Newman. Another quick one, only 7 minutes, 44 seconds. This one felt like it was settling this thing, though. I think we're done with these now. Uh, and everyone got their greatest hits in. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, Naito ended up winning with the Destino, which is exactly what should have happened, considering he's now the main event challenger for the world title. He beat Callum Newman, which is exactly what should have happened. He's basically the young lion for United Empire. This was paint by numbers a little bit, but it was well executed because of the people involved. Entertaining eight minutes. You pretty much covered it. Um, Naito looked good. I think everyone pretty much did their job. There's a drinking game to be had with Caleb Newman with how many times they try and mention Caleb Newman reminds me of Fergal Devitt in 2014. Yeah, it, it, it's not do, it, it doesn't remind me of him. <laughs> I they are trying really trying. really hard to make that comparison. And if you are unaware who Fergal Devitt is, he is currently WWE Finn Balor. Uh so interesting comparison. I can kind of see it. He is very, very young. He runs the rope very, very fast, and he is very smooth in the ring. But beyond that, uh, there's potential there. And if you were saying that he has the same kind of potential, sure, everyone has like a, a potential comparison. But yeah. like a one-to-one comparison might be a little bit of a clear role. Yeah, I, I agree with that there. And that's not to say that Newman is untalented. He's clearly talented. But I don't look at him and see right. Devitt wasn't a speed. He was quick, but he wasn't a speed demon like this guy is. And he doesn't really work like Devitt. And I, I think you're, they're they're stretching a little too hard for, for that one, that comparison. They're, they're trying to give him a little bit of shine. It's fine, but uh the drinking game aspect of it, they're gonna keep they're gonna keep pumping that one. <laughs> yeah, I get ready right. for it. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Up next, we had a damn fine tag team match here. So this is the Jet Setters, Kevin Knight and Kushida, challenging Clark Connors and Drilla Maloney for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team titles. I really like this one. 13 minutes, 28 seconds. Uh, Knight was one of the ones that's been sick all week, and so were um, Maloney, for that matter, and Connors, I think. Well, no, Maloney hung in, didn't he? And uh, Connors got sick. Either way. Uh, this match almost may may have been uh, hanging in the balance of, as of a few That's days That's how ago. elevated night's temperature was. Oh, hey, there you go. So you see the dropkick. Hey, look, Knight does a lot of very, very impressive things, and this match did a really good job of showcasing them. So uh, Kushida did a lot of the selling as this one got going so they could build the things like that. Once they hit the hot tag tonight, lots of moves involving pop-ups and springboards to show off that athleticism of Knight's. Uh, the War Dogs hit a high-low uh, on Knight after he missed a spike DDT. That was moved to look really good. I mentioned a few d- in the last show that Connors and Maloney are really starting to build some nice tag team, double team moves chemistry. together yeah. and starting to build their chemistry and their timing. And it, it came through here. I think they're really improving as a team. Uh, one spot that didn't quite work, a game of chicken broke out where they ended up on each other's shoulders. And... They, you know, that was it? Maloney, I think, was on uh, Kushida's shoulders, and Knight was on uh, was he was on Maloney, or he was on the other guy from War Dogs. Anyway, Maloney on Knight ended up getting knocked off, and he tried to turn it into a poison Rana. And this is a spot that probably sounded better in the locker room when they were talking about it. Like, like this is going to be so cool. (laughs) And like most of Fennec's spots, it just is kind of like, what the fuck is that? Why, why did you do that? That doesn't make any sense. Uh, So yeah, this, that didn't work, but you know, it it was a Fennec spot. And you're just like, what the hell? Okay. Athletic. Yes. Good. Moving on. Uh, After that, uh, Maloney was on top with uh, Kushida at one point. This was a great spot. Now Kushida tried to hurricane Rana him off the top rope, but he got caught. Knight ran across the ring, leaped into the air, and without touching the turnbuckle, 
he's the one that Hurricane Rana and Maloney off while, while Kushida was still hanging there. That looked fabulous. That was an exciting spot right there. I like that one. And uh, Kushina ended up going for a handspring elbow and was caught with the greatest drillakilla in history. He spiked that man, and then he stuck like a lawn dart in the ring with his feet up in the air. It looked incredible. And, uh, yeah, Brad noticed that one, too. That was a fantastic spot. The whole crowd was just like, oh, my God. Uh, Kushida ended up uh, being out after that. Knight took a uh, pop-up uh, spear, and then they hit the full clip on him, which is the spear out of the suplex position. Mm -hmm. This is a terrific match, and it just kept up the pace. It kept up the intensity. These guys have good tag team chemistry. Both of them do. Maloney and Connors have meshed well. Kushida's a fantastic babyface. Kevin Knight is a future monster star in this business. So uh, a really fun 13 minutes, 28 seconds, and uh, Bullet Club retains. Kevin Knight and Clark Connors especially have come so far in the last mm. year. Just tremendous work on both of them. Uh I remember last year in the Super Junior Tag League, do you remember who Clark Connors was tagging with? Yeah, it was Ryusuke Taguchi, and he was doing some goofy cowboy crap. with Go the, Goofy butt almost, stuff. <laughs> almost making fun of Adam Page uh, in a and, way. And he here is where we are now. We knew he had it in him, and uh, you know he's going to go into the Super Junior Tag League, and they're going to run the table. And it's going to edit what, they, what he personally – should be doing it was what i was advocating for for him in uh in the best of the super juniors and he didn't have the greatest showing but then they put together the tag team afterwards and he's just he's run rough shot over the super, the junior heavyweight division yeah i, re I really enjoyed this one and night his kind of breakout year to me reminds me it's it happened differently than what mariah may did in stardom mm -hmm. where it was somebody that we had seen before knew had some talent but holy Lord, I mean, all year long, both of them have just shown up and shown up and shown up. And the secret is out on night because he's getting booked by everybody in the world now. CMLL mm -hmm. wants him, you know, Impact wants him, New Japan wants him. And uh, people have figured out just uh, what kind of talent this guy is. Can talk to if you listen to his backstage comments. They're, they're pretty good. So, uh, yeah, uh, good stuff here. And uh, yeah, you mentioned they can go into this tournament. They can put a babyface team over at the end if they want. And then have that match probably in the dome uh, for the uh, for the title. Yep. So there's all kinds of good things to be done here. I uh, I enjoyed this. I uh, it was it was one of those matches that elevated the whole the whole card in general. I thought I thought the card in general was just really really good, and everything just kind of a rising tide lifted all shifts. And this was one of those matches that just made the whole card better. The best of seven series was up next. This is the strong style team of Minoru Suzuki, El Desperado, and Ren Narita taking on Shota Umino, Master Wato, and Yuji Nagata. So uh, Suzuki defeated Nagata in Miyagi to make it uh, three, two, and one going into this. That was about the only thing on that Saturday show that was newsworthy. It was basically a house show other than that. So Suzuki beat Nagata. That made it so that the only way that, uh, that Nagata and his gang can survive this is to get a draw in the final match of it. It opened with a segment from each rivalry, like they've been doing most of this series. And, uh, of course, you have Omido paired up with Narita, El Desperado and Wato from the Super Juniors. You had Nagata and Suzuki from all of pro wrestling history basically going at each other for the last 25, 30 years. Uh, there was a whole uh, series. They started heading home in about 10 minutes. Narita got a Cobra twist on Umino, and that started off the run of uh, big moves. Series of near falls there where Narita couldn't quite get the pin on Umino. 
Omino came back and hit ignition, a tornado DDT. Both of them were down after that one. Uh, Unino, uh, Umino countered an overhead belly to belly with a death rider for the win. That looked really good. That was like, so they led to the whole thing of where Narita got his first pin on Umino with that overhead belly to belly with the bridge. He was about to do it again, but Umino managed to turn that one into a death rider and got it. So in the end, it ended up three, three, and one. That's even. You want to know just how even this whole series is, Jeremy? Sure. Everybody in it got one of the pins. Everybody in it took one of the pins. So everybody looks like they booked it that way by design. <laughs> yes, indeed. And so Brad asked, did everyone get any, a win? He said, yes, everyone was pinned once. Everybody got a pin once. So that's how that one uh, turned out. And it was always the rivalries. So Wado pinned Desperado, Despi pinned Wado. Nagata got uh, Suzuki early in the series. Suzuki got him on Saturday. And then we saw the uh, Shoto Umino and, mm -hmm. uh, and Ren Narita wins here in the last uh, couple so uh at the end umino offered his hand to ren narita and narita shook it shook his hand uh still aren't buddies clearly but there's a little acknowledgement of one another there uh master wado offered his hand to, to desperado who shook his pinky that was about as far as despy was willing to go with it he shook his pinky and then wado tried to make more of it and uh, desperado was like uh, you know just, i think we should just be friends let's not uh, get uh, too friendly here uh but uh after that suzuki and yuji nagata slapped the hell out of each other and then shook hands so there you go we even got to clap each other again to get even and then fifth round <laughs> gotta be two. You gotta be even. Always gotta be even. So that's how it ended there. Uh, basically, a draw, three wins, three losses, and a one thirty-minute time limit draw, as even as you could possibly make this thing. And the message is clear that uh, Narita and Umino are stars that we're going to be seeing in the future. Uh, go at each other for years. They are going to fight forever, the same way Suzuki and Nagata have. And uh, what can you say with the times they've actually been in the ring with each other? It's been pretty terrific, so I'm not going to argue with it. I'm looking forward to seeing it. It was a really memorable moment with Nagata and Suzuki. But did you have the same takeaway with uh, the other two guys and two guys doing the, you know, we're cool with each other? Because my takeaway was that they are, uh, they are going to be tagging together in the tag league. Well, oh, you think it's going to be Desperado and Wato as a team? Yeah, and I think it could be Shota and Ren. I don't know. Okay, point. so you have you do this right before you announce the uh, the tag team tomorrow on yeah. in that press conference, and if you do Shota and Ren as a tag team, and they fall apart in the end of the tournament, you have a through line to a match between those two at Wrestle Kingdom without drawing out this feud and boring people with it. You've given them like a new dynamic. To me, this is just like you have. You have created point A to point B to Wrestle Kingdom. What, De uh, Chris Samsa, I got to give him credit for this name. Despawato, uh, is, is one team, and then, uh, you know, you got Ren and Shota, and you know, I got another team with Yoda and somebody else potentially, but that is a really interesting tag team and immediately makes me more interested for the world tag team. Colin says, good guy Suzuki takes some getting used to. He's not sure he's a fan. It's a little odd seeing him smiling. And Does, and that, does that make Strong Style a, uh, a subdivision of Hontai now? Yeah, I don't know. You see, does that... I, I think it does. Works, 
I don't know if that works for me either with Suzuki being all warm and cuddly. I'm, I'm not sure it's yeah. it doesn't have to be. It's just like God being a part of Hauntai and they do their own thing. But I, I definitely think that that brought that subdivision back into a Hauntai fold rather than its own like existing little group. Brad mentioned earlier, by the way, not a single momentary uh, mention of Bullet Club during any of the House of Torture stuff. It really does look like they have broken off completely and aren't part of the David Finlay group yeah. at all. It does feel like a totally different unit. So, I think this right here was something that you should make time to watch just for the implications mm -hmm. both in and out of it. But if you only catch YouTube clips, uh, that's also fine. <laughs> <laughs> You'll get the idea. You get the idea. <laughs> Up next, we had the Never Open Weight Six Man Tag Team Title Match. This was the did we Impact. Look at, the, uh, look at this one. Did or... I miss one? I missed one. I did miss one. It was a strong open weight tag team title match that was next. Come on, Stephen, get it together. Okay. This was the Gorillas of Destiny, uh, Hikaleo and El Fantasmo, who I guess is a Gorilla of Destiny now. He's with the group. Mm -hmm. They uh, faced the Bullet Club War Dogs, Gabe Kidd and Alex Coglin. And uh, this was for the strong open weight tag team titles, like we mentioned. Uh, Kid uh, jump started it. Coughlin came out to the uh, ring alone. He was standing in the aisle holding up the belt. They did not see that Kid had slid into the ring behind him, uh, and uh, they attacked. Uh, ALP hit a wonderful set of dives early in this match, just bouncing off the everything, ropes, turnbuckles, uh, doing dives in and out of the ring. Really looked terrific. Uh, Coglin ended up turning it around on him, and uh, ELP sold a while. The tag got to Hikaleo. He did a thing where he hits that high kick because he's eight feet tall. Hits the high kick onto uh, a guy on ELP's shoulders, and then he turns that in the UFO, that kind of spinning move there. Uh, the unidentified flying opponent, which I like. Uh, and uh, that was on Coglin, but Kid managed to break up the pin. So a couple of real spots here that looked good in this one. Uh, it's not an all-time classic, but there were moments that I enjoyed. ELP kicked out of a Doomsday device. Uh, there was a super kick and a choke slam on Coglin. ELP hit the dive on Kid to the outside, then hopped back into the ring and hit the Thunder Kiss splash, a springboard uh, splash to win it. So the old Bullet Club beats the new Bullet Club. It was a good match. I'm not going to say it was a great match, but it was a good match. And we have new uh, strong openweight tag team champions. Uh, it'll be the the Hikaleo and El Fantasmo team going to Las Vegas. Uh, they packed a lot into the 13 minutes they had, though. Steven? Yes, sir. Find someone that loves you as much as New Japan loves Hikaleo. <laughs> you can't teach height. <laughs> you can't teach height, man. <laughs> You can't teach height. No, it, this is fun. Uh, I am excited for you to get to see ELP as a babyface jump around yeah. uh, in Vegas uh, defending those titles, I presume, against, I don't know, West Coast mm. Wrecking Crew or something. Yeah. Uh, I have no idea. It's just a, just a wild flag shot in the dark, guess. But uh, no, this is a fun match. And like I said, it just continued the trend of smile on your face matches. They still see a lot. And keep in mind that... They like having a tall guy around. And it's worth keeping in mind that even when Fale was there, and Hikaleo is a better wrestler than Fale is, he, and I'm not trying to put him over as some you know, wrestling genius, but he's better than Fale. They always protected Fale. You know, he, he, he regularly scored double digit points in G1s. They didn't pin him very often. Even if he lost his match, it was somebody else. They protected him. So they like having a, a big guy around, either babyface right. or, or heel. So, Hikaleo is a young guy that's gone through their system, and uh, we can talk about the some of the things that have come out about the Fale Dojo that aren't real aren't real pretty. 
but uh you know maybe there'll be a time when we can get to some of that in more detail maybe like on thursday when we'll have a little bit more time to talk about it yeah i think it might be worth getting into then there's been some unplugged i'll do my research well, but some of it is the stuff that happens at every wrestling school, which is, you know, I, I was told I'd be going to New Japan and then I didn't. Well, not everybody does. Uh, not everybody gets to. But there's also some other things there that are a little more uh, disturbing about the way some of these guys are treated, basically. And, and uh, it sounds a little bit of nastiness there. But he got through that system. He's in New Japan now. They like to have uh, big guys around and they protect those big guys. So I would imagine the Hikaleo is going to be getting that treatment as long as he's with the company. I don't think you're going to be seeing him lose that often. Sometimes, yes, but not that often. Look at that swagger. Did you uh, did you happen to see the not safe for work tweet from the Gorillas of Destiny doing their best? I'm wearing a belt and nothing else. Uh, <laughs> they do that. Uh, uh, there were three of them. There were Hikaleo, there was Tamatonga, and there was DLB. In the shower with their belt and nothing else. Too much handsome in that company for any one person to process, Jeremy. That was uh, a picture I decided not to put up on the screen because, you know. You didn't make us live of that one? No. I just, oh. I, I'm a man of consent and no one consents to that. <laughs> <laughs> Brad says NJPW is doing well by GOD and that way Haku weren't hurt, hurt ghetto. Always a there. factor. There's the sensible ass. Fear is a great motivator. And Haku will kill you with his bare hands. Uh, the man could go bear hunting without a rifle, by God. Uh, so there you have it. Uh, up next, we did have those six-man tag teams. I was just excited about getting to this match, I guess. Yeah. I, I overlooked one. We had Alex Shelley, Chris Saban. So we got the Motor City Machine Guns, right? One of the better tag teams on this planet. Uh, teaming up with Josh Alexander. And they faced our openweight six-man tag team champions of Hiroshi Tanahashi. Ishii and Okada. So uh, we had uh, an interesting group here. Uh, I'm I'm just looking at. Uh, oh gosh, look at this. And I'm I'm reading this off of uh, WrestlingData.com, which is one of the result sites that I use mm-hmm. because I like the formatting on it. And it has Naito in this match instead of Ishii. Oops. <laughs> Somebody might have to send an email to him. Anyway, point of being, uh, I know who it is. It was Ishii, but uh, he's over out there on the screen. The challengers dominated the first ten minutes of this one. Okada, Ishii, and Tanahashi worked very hard at getting the impact guys over because Alexander hadn't been there before. Shelly and Saban had been around, it had been years since they've been seen in a New Japan ring. So they put the guns over big. They put Alexander over big. Alexander and Ishii tangled a lot, and Ishii put him over with you know, mm-hmm. getting knocked down a lot, taking the big moves. Uh, he had a power backbreaker on Ishii. That looked incredibly painful i don't know how, why people do that uh that's a rough move so i got a power bomb and then he drops him on his knee like you know like, ugh, hey. uh anyway the new japan guys eventually rallied hit a few signature spots so everybody got the you know we got the dragon screw from tanahashi we got the okada drop kick we got ishii stuff and uh but the impact guys ended up regaining the advantage uh tanahashi was really up for this one. You could tell and when you see, when we saw the finish, we understood why Tanahashi was particularly motivated and uh, working hard. But uh, Alexander tried to double team Tanahashi with Shelly, but ended up clocking Shelly to get that storyline in because, of course, Alexander's going to be challenging Shelly for the Impact title. So they got a bit of an angle in, or at least some storyline added and that, to that. And that, to interrupt, is the match that, if he wins, Will Ospreay will then be challenging for the Impact world title. There you go. So, uh, yeah, Okada hit his dropkick on Saban. Tanahashi got the high fly flow to beat Shelly. So he has now pinned the Impact Champion. 
and uh, seems like he is uh, highly interested and challenging for that title. Should well, Shelly get past well, that? No, that, was a, that was a return receipt because they had their singles match right. at Multiverse United too. There was a lot of this. You got one and I got one. You got yeah, one and so I got one afterwards, which usually means it's Shelly, be Shelly won. Shelly won at the Impact at the Impact show, and Tanahashi got his win back at the uh, for his title at the New Japan show. I don't know if we're going to do that again, but they may be meeting maybe in the Super, in the World Tag League. Yeah, maybe. But I, I really think that the way that they were hinting at that just made me think that there's going to be mm. another match in there somewhere. But you know, we'll see. Uh, and uh, Dunstan said this match delivered big time for me. He enjoyed it. Bletch did. Yeah, it was it was pretty good. And you can tell that the guns and Alexander were excited to be there. And again, the New Japan guys did a really good job of putting them over. Made them look like a million bucks for the first 10 minutes of that match. There wasn't a lot of New Japan offense. And uh, But he does say that the strong belts needs to go. The IWGP tag belts need to be the focus. The the strong titles as a whole we've talked about it just seems like they can't really quite decide what they are or where they are in the pecking order, especially on the women's end of it. And I mean, but, they um, exist to pump up the ticket sales for the U.S. shows, and it's yeah. not really drawing for the U.S. shows. So um, either they need to get them on more prominent people, or they need to be involved in some type of hot angle. But the current plan of attack does not seem to be. Uh, getting the result that I think everyone wants. And they're not, and there's not great ticket sales for that show in Las Vegas that I'll be going to right now. I think it's only about half of the tickets are sold. And it looks like they've taken away some of the stuff in the back two rows. And that building's not very big to begin with. It holds fewer than 900 people total. And uh, right now only a few hundred, but they've only announced a few matches. Yeah. They're they're met. All the matches are going to be announced after Royal quest. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. That's kind of how I feel about it. That's how they do it. So yeah. With Royal quest on the 14th is done the 14th, right? Uh, yeah. We should, yeah. we should be seeing, yes. we should be seeing more after that. Brad just said the spot where Alexander hit Ishii and Ishii went at it. Josh undid his headgear perfectly. So when Ishii gave him the headbutt, the headgear went flying. Nicely done. That's a pro right there. Uh, yeah, and it was it was a good spot. I, I kind of expect uh, half expect Josh Alexander to be in the G one next year. Hmm. I don't think I complain about that a bit actually. No. No. But I mean, yeah. if if I were reading the tea leaves and New Japan is actually paying attention to what this guy's doing, um, I think I think he would be a strong addition next year. Well, keep in mind he was supposed to be involved earlier this year. He got hurt. Yeah, you know, was, and so. Yeah, I, I think they do have plans for him too. So and no and no complaints. He's he, he's looked good every time I've seen him. So let's do it. Up next, we had the never open weight title match. Here we go. Tamatanga and David Finlay Jr. And this one went 1939. We had another sneak attack to start. Uh this was where Ghetto walked out and they basically did the same thing that Coglin and Kid had done. Uh he sneak attacked Tamatanga, hit him with a belt before. Uh, the bell, which was uh, a key there, because of course we know how stringent New Japan is about their disqualification rules. So I got to explain that one. Uh, but there was a beat down early that included some chairs to the back. At least Ghetto was distracting the ref while he was using the chairs. Appreciated that, Ghetto. Uh, they set up Chekhov's table for the big power bomb spot and then made us wait for it. A lot of this match was done on the outside of the ring for the first half, but they fought a lot on the outside. Finley, There's a formula hit, to Tamatonga and David Finley matches. I pretty much <laughs> come to the conclusion. <laughs> Finley hit a dominator, but Tamatonga kicked out of it. They began trading the big moves. Uh, they fought on the apron and teased the table, uh, which I appreciated. Tama was running to the post, and then 
he fell to the floor. That's when he took the power bomb, which I think made a lot of sense. Actually, they kind of incapacitated him a little bit, which weakened him so that he could do the power bomb spot through the table. Things look pretty bleak from Tomatonga at that point, but when Finlay went for oblivion, uh, he turned that into a gun stun, which was a nice little twist move he did uh, to turn that one into a gun stun. And it was ended up being a good-looking gun stun, too, not halfway. He got the full uh, drop on his shoulder. In the end, they teased both of the finishes from their previous matches. Mm -hmm. Well, they've had more than that. But the one where Tamatanga was laid out and killed and stretchered off was a series of power bombs. So, of course, Finlay went for the big power bomb. Then they called back to the G1 finish where Tamatanga reversed that power bomb into the roll up or into a Hurricane Rana into the roll up, right? Well, they did that. But this time, Finlay kicked out. Then he hits the gun stun on Finlay. Finlay gets out of that. Then Tama hit a Styles Clash, which surprised everybody and popped the crowd. Styles Clash, Jeremy, still over in Japan, big time. Almost and he, 10 years later. <laughs> the one-winged angel and the Styles Clash always gets a pop out of the crowd out there. And then an EST for three. Uh, again, I'm going back to it. Jado, 3-0, manager of the year. We he, Once again, the never-open-weight uh, champion, Tama Tonga, regained the title from Finlay. I suppose freeing Finlay up for other things, I will admit that I thought this was going to be a retention and that Finlay too. was going to be defending the title at the Tokyo Dome against somebody. Uh, but as it turns out, they might have other ideas for Finlay there. But uh, yeah, there it is. Uh, Tamatango regaining his belt. They explained that Tamatango winning it against David Finlay was more of a personal like victory for him rather than the time that he had won it in the past. And I can see that. But... This is, this is yet another feud that we've kind of been going on this since June. And I thought they were going to kind of take a break uh, after the G1, but they went right back to it. And so I'm glad it's over. Surprised that Finley lost, but that just says to me that they are getting Finley ready for the main event scene and going for the IWGP uh, main title because the never in the the U.S. U.K. title may be a little bit beneath him, and he may be a world champion next year. Yeah, all the Bullet Club lost except for Drilla and Connors, as as Brad mentions, and I thought that was interesting. Yes, and what that usually means is it's darkest before dawn in New Japan. Is that when a faction really gets wiped out in a series of matches or something. That usually means they're about to come back very hard on on something. So, uh, I think we're going to be seeing a surge again in Finlay's Bullet Club. It's always worth remembering that it's important to New Japan for the leader of Bullet Club to be in a prominent position mm -hmm. at all times. This isn't going to be David Finlay sliding back down the card, I don't think. I think this is the beginning of a really hard push in some direction. What that means for the Dome, I'm not actually sure. But because uh, the world title's tied up, the Never title doesn't seem like that's where he's going with it. We'll see what they have in mind. But Somewhere between be the Cup and Dominion, I think they're belting Finlay. The, in 2024, you're talking yes. about. Yes. Somewhere you between be the New Japan Cup and Dominion, that seems like that seems like the return to the plan that they seem to have. I don't think they'll do it right afterwards because people are going to call back to Hiroshi Tanahashi, Kenny Omega, Jay White, like comparisons almost right away. So they might have to wait a little while, but everything says to me, David Finley world champion next year. It would be a way to, I can see in their minds, we put him over Naito and everyone's going to hate him. 
you know, that if he's the one that takes it off of Naito, then everybody's going to really mm-hmm. hate him. You know, I, I could see that thought process. I don't know if it would play out that way because it didn't work for evil at all. <laughs> but uh, to be fair, that was a pandemic time. I don't know. You know, I we'll, think, we'll see. I think there's a different reaction to Finley than there is evil. And I think yeah, there is. the legitimacy factor will be there by the time that this all happens. And with Colin, there's still some work to do for Colin. He says, Jay, Light, uh, Jay White Light as world champion. No, thank you. And uh, so you see, that's the perception he's going to have to fight. It's it's tough. Jay, Jay White's a tough act to follow for anybody. And just the fact that Finley spent so many years in the mid card, it's going to be tough to convince people he's a main eventer, but it's not going to be for lack of trying. New Japan will. I think, I think they'll do it. I think by, I think in about six months, we will, there'll still be some holdouts on him, but he'll be generally accepted as a top guy in New Japan. And, and it's worth mentioning. And it, I don't think he's as talented as Jay, but there was plenty of this guy ain't Kenny Omega when JY came up to mm-hmm. plenty of that, a lot of it. So he doesn't uh, have to be, he could just be his own guy. Right. And he, he certainly was. And then it also didn't help that he's one of the best big match guys in the world as well. Mm-hmm. So that, that did big help. shoes to fill in a lot of ways, but he comes from solid wrestling pedigree and, you know, he was built for the moment, even if he's not ready for the moment now. Up next, we had the semifinal, which was the IWGP Junior Heavyweight title match. Speaking of shoes to fill, unfortunately, Yo had to step into the shoes of Leo Rush. Yo's a terrific wrestler, and he did great in this match. I was really looking forward to seeing Leo in this, though. Uh, But Leo, not healthy enough, unfortunately. The flu uh, turned out to be stomach flu, we heard from uh, Kevin, anyway. That uh, ran rampant through the New Japan locker room and, and seems to have gotten Leo uh, so much that he couldn't make it to this one. So this was Yo, who was pulled out of the Frontier Zone match to come in here. And uh, he faced Mike Bailey and Hiromu Takahashi. Now, this, for me, was my favorite match of the night. Yo and Bailey took turns working on Hiromu early. That was basically the early story of the match, was that they were, they were not letting Hiromu rest for a second. They would one attack him, then the other would. They did the usual switches in alliance every once in a while when Yo and Bailey would go at it some, but it kept coming back to uh, Hiromu as soon as Hiromu thought he was in good shape. A lot of Hiromu selling early. Uh, Bailey hit spin kicks on each of them at the 10-minute mark. That was really cool. Uh, they were in opposite corners, and he did that little spinning kick thing that looks like something out of a video game, except he's actually doing it, and uh, got both of them. Uh, Yo ended up uh, breaking up the ultimate weapon attempt, and uh, Bailey tried again later and missed. That's the the knees off the ropes where he just kind of does a flip and then lands with knees on a guy. So uh, uh, rough looking move, but uh, he did not hit it in this one. Uh, Yo hit a uh, stunner and then the DNV. And then he did a final hour and a total tribute to Leo Rush. We basically did all of Leo's uh, moves mm-hmm. for a little while, but uh, Mike Bailey broke up that pin. Bailey hit a big kick on Yo to the head, but he couldn't land the Flamingo driver. That was at the 15 minute mark. Starting to go home at that point. Yo hit a direct drive, but Hiromu broke that pin up. There's a lot of that where guys had sure pins, but the third man in the match managed to dive in just in the nick of time. Yo kicked out of the time bomb, but he did not kick out of time bomb two. And that was the one that finished it. Mike Bailey was on the outside and couldn't break it up. Best match on the show. Bailey looking a little more pissed than usual afterwards. After losing, he, he had a, he had a one more thing where he looked like he was He's like you. You got away from me this time. I feel like yeah. we're going, we're coming back to it. Anytime they want to bring Mike Bailey back, I'm down with it. And uh, afterwards, probably going to be Tokyo Dome. 
Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, we'll see what they do with Ishimori because after the match, they were presenting the belt to Hiromu. Lights go out. We were kind of waiting for a video package to air, but instead the lights came back up. Taiji Ishimori's in the ring. He attacked uh, Hiromu. Brief attack. Didn't lay him out. Didn't kill him. Just let him know he was there. Just let him know he was back. I was really happy to see him. You know, I'm a big fan of this guy, and uh, I was very happy to see that he's healthy again and seems to be ready to return to action. So, really good match. Hiromu Takahashi retains. No one has any problem with that. He's the best junior heavyweight in the world. And uh, now he has Taiji Ishimori on the horizon. So, color me happy. Yeah, no, it, it was a great match. I, I have to admit, I was definitely suffering from wrestling fatigue at this point. We're mm. talking about a near five-hour show, and I think this was hitting around the four-hour mark this morning of watching wrestling. So uh, you have to take that into account when you're watching these shows. Like, it is a serious time investment, and they really have to work a lot harder to keep your interest and uh, be invested. And they did uh, for all intents and purposes. But I would be remiss in saying that the length of the show at this point definitely affected my viewing of it. All right. And Colin thought he was just saying the F word repeatedly out there. <laughs> he was saying, I think he was saying one more in Japanese is what he was uh, saying out there. One more. He was insistent that he gets one more match up there with, uh, I mean, it's important. Bailey speaks Japanese. So that's uh, he can, uh, he can do that stuff. So, although there was plenty of cursing, God knows Bullet Club, uh, right. Bullet Club just, they, that rule, they had a rule for a little while that you couldn't swear and, uh, you know, don't go into the crowd. That was, you know, a lot of pandemic stuff right there. Uh, but uh, all that's out the window now. Now they're going into the crowd in every match and swearing like sailors. But that was a little bit when Harold May left the company. That was his rule. Harold didn't like the didn't like the adult language. Uh, and so of you, course, you haven't seen the show worth worth watching, in your opinion, Stephen? This want to go back and yeah. Yeah, no, no, no. It's it's worth a it's worth a look. There there are some good matches on this. It was well wrestled. There was newsworthy stuff. There were some angles. Uh, yes, this was worth your time. Which one did you like better, Ryogoku or Kobe? Kobe. <laughs> I would agree with that. Barely. Well, barely. I don't know. Uh, yeah, Kobe. Kobe. I, I, mean, I my instinct says Kobe. I liked it better. But uh, I mean, Will Will Ospreay and Suji is one of the best matches of the year. So. I very much liked that we got forward progression on all aspects of new Japan pro wrestling in this show. And it feels like we ended one part of the year and we are into the final part of the year now. And we are setting up firmly for wrestle kingdom, all roads to wrestle kingdom. These matches are getting set up all these other feuds, the busy work. We're going to be wrapped at Royal quest with it. And then we're off to the races. So I mentioned something very important here as well. The press conference tomorrow, also the one featuring stardom. Yep. That was what we were told, that this was going to be uh, something involving stardom tomorrow at the press conference. Also going to hear some announcements about the tag team tournament. Yep. And then uh, anything on the new streaming app? Kind of, kind of, sort of. What Chris Charlton said during the broadcast was that that would be coming within, here's the words he used, and words are important when it comes to Chris. He, he understands this. Within the next few weeks. Okay, then. so he said by the end of autumn, which sounds to me a lot more like November, November late November for yeah. for the new app. That's fine. Uh, than early, uh, I, I'm I wanted as soon as possible, just because for selfish reasons, because I think it's going to be uh, a, a big help for me and the way I watch the show uh, shows. But uh, he did say then uh, the next several weeks we would be seeing that redesign. And uh, he, he wasn't getting into specifics, but that was uh, what Chris said on that. So I'm taking that as a November slash 
December type of thing. Okay, so before we go any further, we're yes. going to wrap this up pretty soon, but we're going to get the World Tag League and Super Junior Tag League announcement sometime in the near future. Okay. I did a quick list of potential teams for both the World Tag League and the Super Junior Tag League, and I'm going to read them off to you, and I'm going to get, uh, at the end of it, I'm going to get your vibe on how realistic, and uh, at the very end, I got a couple of teams that are more iffy than I feel like they're, they're locked, but I'm just going gonna, gonna to get your vibe on it. So we're going to go. Okay. The World Tag well, Week. Okay, and, and I'm just, before we, we're going to be able to kind of judge your work a little bit on Thursday on this show. We'll yeah. be back here Thursday on our regular time to talk about what happens in that You're press conference. kind of why I want to do it. Yeah, because so we're going to find out. Then. We're going to find out how good you did, and then for Brad, he mentions any speculation on what the announcement is going to be with Stardom. A lot of people think it's historic crossover too. Yeah, and some uh, information on that. Uh, that is what we are hoping for there. That there's information on historic because there are gaps in each company's calendar where they can do this, mm-hmm. and that's what we're hoping to hear tomorrow. As as a, as a Stardom nut, that's what I'm hoping for. So anyway, yes, and we're also going to be able to grade Jeremy's work. So all that's coming up Thursday at our yeah. regular time. So we'll have judge a judge me here. harshly by the truth. Okay, well, <laughs> what do you got here? Let's see what you think. All right, this is the big one: Shota Umino and Ren Narita in a tag team. Gutsy call, gutsy call. Not sure it's there, but we'll see. All right, we got Bishamon. Yeah, we got the Mighty Don't Neil. Yeah, the we only got... way it's not the only way it's not Bishamon is if Goto's Goto's knee is worse MCL than MCL is in fact not great. I got 12 sure. teams out there. Uh, okay. I got 12 teams because we have 16 nights, and usually the last two nights are uh, semifinals and finals, and there might be 14 or 16 teams, but these were 12 that I could come up with. So, Yoda Suji and Shingo Takagi. Yes, yeah, almost certainly. They've been hinting at that. Wardog, Coughlin yeah. and Kib. Yeah. Evil and Yujiro. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, maybe. Evil doesn't really have any plans at the moment. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, Tanahashi and Toroyano. Yeah, almost certainly. Hikaleo and ELP. Yeah. I think that's guaranteed now. I would think uh, so. Cobb and Great Ocon. Oh, yes. wait. They might not be in it because does the... No, the war tag could be, happens after. Could be Ocon and Hanare. Uh, it could be Cobb and uh, Hanare. So, but United Empire. It could be uh, Cobb and Hanare, Ocon and Hanare. Any, yeah. Uh, Yuya, Uemura, and Taichi. I think mm. that is pretty much a guarantee now. And then I think Kelly and Shaman, the Motor City Machine Guns. I would love it. You think Impact will give them up for three weeks? I wonder what they have going on at the end of November, early December, that would really make it untenable other than, you know, missing Thanksgiving. And then the AEW team that I threw in there was the Gates of Agony. Okay. Tony Leone and uh, Bishop Khan. Okay. That seems like and, a that seems like a fun team that would be there, you know, kind of a the uh, the Viking Raiders when they were when they were over there, uh, mm-hmm. the War Machine War Machine, they're they kind of a War Machine vibe to them, and then the Super Junior Tag League. Here are my here are my potential teams. Okay, Yo and Leo, we mm-hmm. got the War Dogs okay. again, we got Sho and Kanemaru, yeah, we got Doki and Taka, Bushi and Teton. El mm-hmm. Desperado and Watto, the Jet Setters, Catch 2 2, Chris Austin and uh, Ace Austin and Chris Bay, Robbie Eagles and Question Mark. Well, that, would be, that would be Fujita. Would he, isn't he on excursion? 
Well, yes, but he's te- he's teaming with Robbie. All right, there we go. I'm not saying team. that that's going to be. That's why I'm kind of I'm kind of iffy on. Yeah, that. I was just like Robbie Eagles and and question mark. They might bring in somebody new or. Well, if you're going to do a United Empire team, you could do Callum. Robbie no, Eagles is DMDK. No, no, Eagles is DMDK now. Yeah. Steven, come right. on. Steven. Sorry, I got Sorry. you. I got Sorry. you. I'm following. Robbie's been on all the factions, so I get I get lost. And then Taguchi and Tiger Mask, and then. Here's an interesting one. What about Alex Zane and Speedball Mike Bailey? Mm-hmm. And then that would be 12 I would teams. like that. That would be interesting. Again, that that's, yeah, yeah, I mean, that's possible. Because that would be, Impact would be giving up these guys in separate chunks. Yeah. You know, some here, some there. I mean, that's, that's it's cool. November 20th to like December 10th. If they aren't taping, and I don't presume that they have a whole lot of big shows until late December, uh, I think the timing works for at least the World Tag League. But since the Super Junior Tag League is after, uh, right after Bound for Glory, it's kind of in the Bound for Glory area. You kind of have to pay attention to what the Bound for Glory card is to kind of see what impact people will be there. So I will, you know, we'll find out tomorrow. This was all blind luck. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, and also that's true. Uh, Zane and Archer teased going after Hikaleo and ELP at the post-match today. Uh, That would be terrific. I think Zane and Archer, like they, they did better together than I really thought they would. Like when I saw them, I like, I like this better than I would have imagined I did. You know, that mm-hmm. was, I like I like Zane and Archer. That's, it could be a good odd couple team. So, yeah, I, uh, I definitely think, I definitely think Zane and Archer are going for those, but if they have, if they want Zane in the Super Junior Tag League, they're going to have to find somebody else other than uh, uh, Lance Archer to be a tag You don't think Archer <laughs> can get under 220 for that one? No, no, I'm skeptical. Okay. Well, you know, you can't, you can, you can work the weights, but maybe not that much. Maybe yeah. not that much. All right. All right. So anything else before we wrap this one up? Of course, we're going to be back at our regular time. That's going to be 530 PM Eastern on Thursday. Like usual, we've got, uh, we'll have plenty to talk about. I know that press conference is going to be very, we may not go 90, but you know, between the two shows, you're getting more than every, enough. Strong every time we say that every, we're cutting things at the end. Every time we say that we end up cutting stuff. So uh, I think we'll be fine, but yes. Sure. Uh, so with that in mind, do we wrap this one up here today? Uh, take it home, buddy. Destruction of Rio Goku. That was our live, uh, our same day coverage of it. And uh, we're glad for everyone that uh, joined us. Uh, we really appreciate it taking time to visit with us and uh, talk about our favorite promotion, New Japan Pro Wrestling. So uh, with that, Brad, uh, Brad, Colin, Sam, uh, and uh, Dustin, all the folks that joined in, uh, it's been a lot of fun interacting with you guys. We'll do it again Thursday at our regular time. So for Jeremy Feinstone, I am Stephen Conway. Thanks for watching and listening to Speaking of Strong Style. We'll see you again real soon.